I am Afreen Sheikh and I listen to Design Cast from Mumbai, India. I'm Danielle and I listen to Design Cast from Osaka, Japan. I'm Joe Smith and I listen to Design Cast from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I am Ronald. I listen to Design Cast from Jakarta, Indonesia. Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of Design Cast. Thank you for joining me. On this episode, I had the awesome opportunity to speak with Mr. Tony Ryan. Now, Tony is the chief executive of the Design and Technology Association in the UK, also known as Data. We talk about all kinds of things. Really, what's interesting is hearing about how he started out as an automotive technician and then kind of accidentally ended up in education. Of course, we know. You never really accidentally end up in education. So that is a really great story that he shares. I really enjoyed listening to the professional journey that Tony has taken over his long career. And I am so excited to hear about where he's going to go in the future. Uh, I also enjoyed hearing about the things that they're doing over at Data, even when COVID is at the front of everyone's mind. So there's some extensive show notes about all the things that we talk about, and they're linked in the HyperDoc that is also linked in the show notes for this episode. I'd love to hear from you, so please reach out to me through my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, and that link is in the show notes. And please share this podcast with those folks that you think might enjoy listening to it. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear some of the things you would like to hear on this podcast, so please reach out and share some ideas with me. Maybe you know a guest or you have a topic you'd like to have covered. 
I cannot wait to hear from you, and I really can't wait for you to enjoy this episode of DesignCast with Tony Ryan. Welcome back to another edition of DesignCast, and I'm absolutely honored and humbled to have Tony Ryan here with me. Tony works with the Design and Technology Association in the UK, and I am absolutely just excited to hear all about Tony and his experience in education. So welcome, Tony. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jason. Great to be here. Tony, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Because a lot of the guests I have on are more in the IB design and design and technology for the diploma program, and I don't know how many folks maybe have heard of you or maybe they know of you, but I want to hear all about your journey and, and what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, let me give you a little uh, a little potted history. It's it's a weird path that I've trodden. I guess I've got to go way back to school. My parents did the right thing for good Catholic parents and sent me to a boys Catholic school that was miles away from home. And I guess for some people that school was great. It was academically very successful. But for me, it just never clicked. I was Ryan or boy right the way through school. It was way back in the sort of late 70s early 80s so there was there's quite a lot of violence around as well I mean I was caned more times than I care to remember there just was no connection and I couldn't see why I was being asked to learn what I was being asked to learn so as a result of that I went in an angel at the age of 11 and slowly converted to a demon by the time I was 16 and I just disengaged completely with school and couldn't wait to get out of the place I left I was I was was actually asked to leave a little bit early which is not something I tell everybody went back did my exams. I remember careers interview not long before I left where they asked me what I wanted to be and, and it was like listening to a voice from somebody else where somebody said uh, car mechanic and I wasn't quite sure where that had come from but what do I need to be to be a car mechanic? They said well you need English, you need maths and you need one other and I thought well art is the one other because I loved art. So I got those three. Um, I'm pretty certain to this day that if that careers advisor had said I needed nine, I would have got nine. Uh, but she said I needed three. So I got three. I became a car mechanic, did an apprenticeship and I loved it. From day one with an engine in front of me, all of the physics, all of the maths that made no sense at school, all of a sudden there was context and it made sense. And it dawned on me that I wasn't stupid because I left school feeling I was pretty thick, to be honest. And it, it dawned on me that I wasn't stupid. So over the next six years as a car mechanic I took every qualification that was available I, I, I gave up two years of my holidays in order to take one day a week to go to day release college it was the only way that I could do it I got to um, management level in the motor industry and the promise was that if you get that far then we'll put you into a management program and I got that far and then the response was well I'm, I'm really sorry but we need you on the workshop floor we don't want to move you up I just had enough at that stage I decided I, I needed something else education was accidental I needed a degree and the Inner London Education Authority was in its last couple of years and was sponsoring people to go through because I'd become used to a salary by this point and it was going to be very difficult to to live for two years without a salary they sponsored me through and I thought well what I'll do is I'll get that degree and then I'll jump back to the motor industry. But the first time I ever stood in front of a class of kids, and I remember it like it was yesterday, it was 15-year-olds. I was supposed to have somebody supervising at the back of the classroom uh, because I was unqualified, obviously. And after five minutes, he decided he had better things to do and left the room and left me with a group of 15-year-olds. And it was the scariest and the most exciting hour of my life up until that stage. I, I was petrified, but I had about three weeks planning in front of me. So I knew I had enough to get through the lesson. And from that moment on, uh, there was no going 
going back. And that was 33 years ago. And I've, I've, I've been 33 years in education. I, <laughs> wow. moved, I moved up pretty quick, became a head of department. I was a head of design and technology in free schools for a number of years, and then went into school management and finally found myself as a head teacher. So I was a head teacher of two pretty large London comprehensives for about 11 and a half years, and then dropped out, worked for myself for a year, which I really enjoyed. I thought I'd never go back to a proper job again. And then this opportunity came along, which was really someone that the heart drove the head in many respects. It was it's something I really care about, and the subject is really struggling in the UK. I thought, well, if I say no to this, I'll, I'll regret it at some stage. I'll actually look back and think, you had a chance to do something and you didn't. So here I am running the association and trying to really cement the place of design and technology teaching in the UK. Tony, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I will tell you that I've had a lot of guests on and I'm seeing that sort of thread again, where people have a less than exciting experience in school themselves. And then eventually they become a teacher almost in spite of that kind of thing happening. So that's amazing that you were persistent. And I guess today we would call that grit <laughs> and being so. able to push that through. It's been described a few times. I mean, a few people have said to me, you've got a chip on your shoulder. And yeah, I have. I didn't want any kid at school to experience the sort of thing that I experienced at school. And that was the healthy chip that drove me and still does, I guess. Mm, that's amazing. And I think that that's something that a lot of design and design and technology teachers have in common is that we straddle the the barrier between industry and education so much that we have to kind of have that healthy chip. So I completely can agree with the chip on your shoulder <laughs> analogy. That's great. So do you still do you still get involved with cars much? It sounds like you really enjoyed that. Do you, you still know, do I, any car work? You know, I love cars and my one luxury for myself is I drive something decent because I, but, but I must admit I open the bonnet now and I look inside and wow, they've changed. You know, I know, I know how it works, but I wouldn't tinker with it myself these days. <laughs> They're definitely a high-tech piece of machinery, even some of the bigger ones. So can you tell me a little bit more about the Design and Technology Association and how that runs and what your role is in that particular organization? The association's been around since 1989. It was put in place really to help and support the teaching of design and technology across UK schools. It spent a lot of its early years being funded by government. Um, major projects were put in place. CAD CAM in schools is a good example, which was a, a multi-million pound project for training for every school in the UK in order to make sure that every teacher in the UK was familiar and confident using CAD CAM and then students obviously would push on from there. Those projects dried up a number of years ago where government just basically stopped putting money towards any projects like that and the association had to pivot from getting getting quite a lot of its money from government-funded projects towards a survival mode where actually we had to generate our own money. So we don't get any government money at all at the moment. We um, survive through our membership. We also sell some resources, although there's been a big shift in that in, in the last couple of years. And we, we do training with teachers, which is a really, really important part of what we do, which has been hit quite hard by, by COVID. But that's pushed us in other directions and has made us do other things that, that perhaps we, we should have done earlier. 
earlier. So the association is there really to support the teaching of designer technology. What what I'm trying to bring to it is, and I guess it's using that sort of experience that I've got of being in industry and then going into teaching, is that when I arrived, I felt that there wasn't enough emphasis on connection with industry and business and that there needs to be. We need to really, really show our students as well as government ministers and everybody else in a decision-making capacity exactly how those two join up, how education with D&T and business and industry join up. Because without that join, there's a danger that we're seen as just a skills-based subject that is for the less able, which couldn't be further from the truth, to be honest. So the role that I've got at the moment is chief executive with the association, which sounds very grand, but there's there's 13 of us in total, plus a a group of very, very switched on trustees. We're trying to cement the future of the subject in in UK schools is is the bottom line. Mm. I um, am from the US, and so we've had a very different journey in a sense, but also a very similar journey. And I find that we're constantly having to sell our projects and sell our programs to parents and to students and to teachers and to the government. (laughs) So I completely can feel empathy for what you're talking about here. And so I will say that even in my experience as an international teacher, that I found that the data resources are absolutely outstanding. So I think that you guys put together some really fantastic materials. I've really enjoyed using them. And so thanks for doing that and keep up, keep that up. If you, <laughs> that'd be great. I was going to say the shift in emphasis in the last couple of years is that we, we had an awful lot of resources that, that once you become a member, you still have had to purchase and uh, I, just felt, uh, I just felt that was wrong um, so what mm. we've done 85% of our resources now once you become a member once you're in they're free and that's the way it should be so the challenge now is to find other funding sources that allow us mm. to keep those current and up to date because as you know you know our subject moves quicker than <laughs> many Yes, it does. Created this year, and we'll be out of date by next year if you're not careful. Absolutely, yeah. It's a very flexible and um, nimble subject in a sense, uh, yeah. and so I find that that's totally true. I think you're correct in saying that. And so, so what's your vision overall? We take the the sort of COVID factor out of everything, and where would you like to see the association go moving forward? We've done well in the last eighteen months. We've doubled our membership, which is really important to me because there was a feeling when I arrived, which which I picked up i spent the first three months just just talking to teachers and just trying to get and talking to members actually and trying to get a bit of feedback from them as to what they felt about the association there was a feeling that came back uh whether it was real or perceived it doesn't matter because it was there and it was that we were distant and that we were out of touch and quite a few people used the term pseudo-academic which was interesting we've worked really really hard to get closer to schools and get closer to the membership and the fact that we've doubled the membership hopefully shows that that there has been a change the vision for me really is i would love us to be in every school we're we're in 53 percent of secondary schools in the uk at the moment and we've got a growing membership fast growing membership at primary school i'd want us to be in every school that's a a very ambitious vision but we're pushing hard on that and the other thing that I really would like is is to counter what you just said is I just wonder what it's like to be a history teacher sometimes because you haven't got to justify your subject every single time you talk about it 
and it, and it feels like with designer technology, we're mm. constantly justifying our existence. So the vision would be where, where people get it, where people see that actually without creativity and without design, we've got nothing. And for people to get that and understand that. And I think we had it years ago when, when the subject was compulsory in the UK and every student had to take it. And perhaps we wasted that opportunity. Perhaps we had something we didn't realise just how valuable that was. Whether that will ever come again, I don't know. But that's what we're pushing for, just that, just for that value to be recognized like you said i would love to have a math teacher or science teacher have to justify their existence because i find that you're right that it's it's a struggle that educators don't feel unless they're in a subject like the arts or design and technology or even physical education i think sometimes is even has to feel that way yeah absolutely that's i would love to see that in every school as well i think that that's great and again the resources are fantastic the videos you guys produce are amazing I use them in my classes, so thank you again <laughs> for those as well. And so uh, the, new, the new ones we produced, I, I I love. They've come about through what we did was, you know, in, in the days which seem distant now, where we could actually just go in and, and visit manufacturers and visit engineering firms. We went in and we looked for young people that weren't that far away from school, but had that passion about what they were doing, and we wanted to capture that in a series of short videos and just show where design and technology could take you. Because I think one of the problems we've got is that students and teachers sometimes even don't know what careers are out there because they've not been out there for a while themselves so they haven't seen it you know in the last three years in this job I've seen stuff in industry that has just completely blown my mind and if I'd have been a teacher in school I wouldn't necessarily have seen that so those videos are an attempt to capture what's out there so as we can show teachers students and, and importantly parents as well because as a head teacher I used to have conversations regularly with parents that said you know don't do design and technology do something academic and you'd end up sitting down with the parents just trying to talk them around that you know design and technology is academic it's actually very hard <laughs> it's a very hard subject and it's that balance that you want you want kids to get so yeah i'm, I'm glad you like the videos because um I, I i love them and we've got we've got another 10 or 11 to come as soon as we can move again i can't wait to watch those and you're right i can't count the number of times i've had to explain to parents and even students and other teachers that design and technology is an academic subject that all the other subjects actually feed into it and that we're teaching writing at a very high level and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, part of the associations around the world, whatever they're called, part of our goal is to educate the public that this is what yeah. we do every day, right? That we want to create skilled workers for forever, whatever job they might have. It is. And if you look at most of the business organizations, will will tell you that the qualifications are really important because they get you through the door, they get you the interview. But the things they're looking for is they're looking for problem solvers. They're looking for active thinkers. They're looking for students with empathy. And these are things that we take for granted within our subjects. We, we you know, we, we teach empathy. You, you can't solve a design problem without actually getting inside somebody else's head and working out what their issues are. And that way of thinking is something that lends itself so well to business and manufacturing, etc. afterwards. But we need to sell it and we need to, uh, and, and we do need to sell it. We need to actively work at it because we can't assume that that message is out there because it isn't. I feel like most of the time I'm actually a salesman as opposed to an educator, but I guess we have to find a way to mix those two. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. 
So Tony, let me ask you this. How are you guys, now that we have this COVID going on, how is data connecting with its members, even though we can't get out and meet in person in most cases? What are you guys doing to kind of keep connected to the, the network? We've done a number of things. And yeah, some of them alluded to slightly earlier, we, we probably should have done before. And it's, it's funny how when you're, in, when you're in difficult times, it makes you think differently and do things that really have an impact straight away. So we set up a series of free webinars, wondering if there would be any demand for them, wondering if there'd be any call for them. We started then with primary colleagues. On the first one, I think we had I think we had 80 places and we had about 300 people trying to get onto it. And then so we, we upped the places and we, we upped the frequency of them as well. But we're still running them regularly and, and they fill within a day of putting them live on online. They're completely free events and members and non-members can come on there. And, and really what's coming out on those webinars is, yes, there is a, a theme to each one, but it's an opportunity for colleagues to converse really and just talk about what they're doing and how they're dealing with it and what's come out in a big way is that even the most confident department out there is is benefiting through listening to what other people are doing and then you might take one golden nugget from someone else's school and think yeah I'm going to implement that in my school I'm going to do that or you may be able to share something so those webinars have been fantastic and we'll continue those we've also moved very very quickly I'm, I'm, I'm told for about nine years the association has been talking about doing on online professional development but for whatever reason hasn't really got around to doing it probably because face-to-face was really important and also when we, whenever we did a survey which we did as recent ago as about 14 months ago where we surveyed all members and just said you know would you prefer face-to-face or online and if we had online CPD would you use it the vast majority of teachers were saying no we don't want it we just we want face-to-face we want to meet other teachers but I think the world's changed and and the vibe has changed definitely and and, and our feeling for what we can do online and and what we can achieve online has changed as well. So we have chosen a platform, an American platform called Thinkific, which I hate the name of, but I love the product. We've created an online learning platform on there, which we started with primary courses, and we've kept them as inexpensive as possible because what we were finding before COVID was that teachers were finding it harder and harder to get release from school in order to do subject-specific training. As we said earlier, uh, subject-specific training in our subject is so important because things move so quick. So our aim now is over the course of the next 12 months, we will have 10 courses by the end of this year, primary and secondary, and we will have 30 courses by the end of next year. And the aim there really is that teachers for, if you're a member, it's £30 and you'll be able to get online training, which will be very carefully thought through, which will bring outside experts in. We're going to mix it with industry as well. So we're going to have some industry inputs into those resources as well. And people will be able to come out of that with an accredited piece of work, which they've done, which can go on their CV, but more importantly, can help them to actually deliver the subject better at school. So that's been a huge, huge drive for us over the COVID lockdown. It sounds like you guys were able to pivot pretty quick, probably because you're all design and technology teachers. And so it allowed you to move quickly and make change directions. That sounds like a really affordable kind of professional development. I was going to say, I mean, first of all, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we we had to pivot quick because our face-to-face went from, we were running on, on average three, four courses a week to zero overnight and I can't see that building up anytime soon 
options are. So we either accepted that we weren't going to have any professional development out there at all, which would impact on the subject quite markedly, or we moved quick. So that was the first thing. The second thing really is is that we got a group of teachers together who we bounced this off and said, look, if we put some stuff together and we, we test it, we, we, give us some feedback and tell us what you think. And they loved it. But they said, you know, the problem is I'm not 100% certain that my school is going to pay for this. I may have to pay for it. So it's got to be inexpensive, as inexpensive as possible. So we've made it £30 for members and 45 mm. for non-members. And we're trying to keep the courses as inexpensive as possible, thinking some people are going to have to pay for this out of their own pocket, mm. sadly. I don't think it should be that way, but I think that's the truth. Unfortunately, teachers have to do that often. I don't know any other industry where that happens, but as educators, I don't know why we have to do that, but it's it's pretty sad, the state of things. But you know what? Teachers are willing to do it. And so I've found through doing this podcast and through being on lots of live streams in the last year over the COVID situation that everyone's really hungry for information and really hungry for up-to-date information. And so that's a great way to do that through the online. You can really change the content as needed. So I think you're right. You're looking for that constant growth and professional growth. We're trying to put bits in in the training as well that that can be used with a class. So if we're if we're using like like mm. the videos that we talked about earlier, you know those videos were built in mind with yeah this is going to inform teachers which is going to help, but also this is the sort of thing you might use as as a starter with a six form class for example. You you might have five minutes where you you just show somebody talking about what they do and in. And then track back to where they are and think, you know, is this something that you want to do? Is this, is this something that interests you? So we're trying to put little video clips in there that can be taken out and can be used as part of the lesson. So it's dual purpose, really. I have found that in working with teachers online, one thing they all want is some way to immediately take that away and use it. So that's fantastic that you guys are thinking about that and thinking about the students. That's great. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Tony, shifting gears just a little bit, what are you guys really excited about at the moment? What kinds of things are you doing thinking beyond the COVID situation, what are you really excited about? I guess the excitement at the moment is coming. I mean, we've got we've got a few projects on the go, which are really quite big. And the impact, I think, could be quite big. One that's got us, it's, it's on the edge of launch at the moment. So we are quite excited about it is that we have worked with a design studio in London, quite a big design studio called Talent House. We took a trustee on who's founder of Talent House, co-founder of Talent House some months ago, right at the start of the year. Had a little look around Talent House and look at what they did and dropped in the, the throwaway line that, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was a platform like this for students? And then a couple of weeks later, she called me up and said, look, we could do this. We could actually make this platform for students. We could do it. So if I explain what Clubhouse is, first of all, the the idea of Clubhouse is it's a student version in its entirety of the professional platform that they use with major brands. And major brands come to Talent House with a project brief for something that they want to do. And it could be ring off a name of a stream of brands that you would know instantly. And they post those on a platform and then anybody that's registered as a designer with Talent House can then submit their designs to that platform. And then Talent House staff sit down with the client and select a small number that they then pull through to the next stage. And then it works down to finally you've got one client winner, if you like, of the design brief. So what we're looking at doing is setting up a series of briefs for students, which will be set by some of the major brands in the world. As long as the teacher in that school is registered, 
registered on the platform, then they will be able, students will be able to actually submit their designs to the brand immediately. So you will get a 14-year-old somewhere in the north of England will be able to submit a submission to a brief that's put there for by Adidas or a company like that, which I think is fantastic. And we're really, really excited by it. And we think we're hopeful that we're going to get a number of briefs up over the course of the year. We, we haven't put a number on that yet. We've, we've got a number that we're aiming at. We hope it's going to be higher, but there's a lot of interest from brands and there's a lot of interest from schools at the moment. So joining those two up, and this is a completely new initiative for us. It's called Clubhouse and it will be launched next month. That sounds absolutely amazing. What a great opportunity for students to get really true feedback from, you know, brands and and designers alike. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to see what happens with it. I can see why you're that's what you're excited about right now. That's awesome. I guess I'm excited because it's uh it, you know it gives that bit that I started right at the beginning of the podcast where it's it's, mm. it's the context. It's why am I learning this? Well, you, you're learning this because there are brands out there that really really value it. And also, if I'm a 14 year old and I'm thinking I, I love doing this, but there's no career in it for me. Well, you know, if you're endorsed by a major brand that says you know we really value what you're doing and there is a job there. Also, there are there are going to be rewards for the students. And when we started talking about this, there was talk of you know uh, Amazon vouchers and Apple vouchers and bits and pieces like that and those things are great they're cool but what we really want is experiences because you can't buy them so if we've got a major brand of put a brief up then let's get that kid and their parents into that brand to actually see how their work is going to be used and let them talk with the brand themselves and and see how their work is going to be put in, in into action so they're the things we're trying to organize is the actual connection between the student the parents and the brands themselves so they can see the join up and they can see the careers that are possible at the end of this if they apply themselves. Man, I wish I was still a student of 14 years old. <laughs> that, would, that If that had been around when I was a kid, wow, I might have ended up in a different career, but it is what it is. I'm, I love what I do, <laughs> but that's, that's amazing. So Tony, thank you so much. And can I ask you a couple of last minute questions here? What book would you recommend that everyone read right now? I'm halfway through the shock doctrine, Naomi Klein, and it's it does what it says on the tin. Really, it is shocking me. It's just making me think about the whole pandemic thing and and the world situation at the moment in a completely different way. So, yeah, it's very current, but that is the one that I'm in at the moment, and it's definitely worth a read. That sounds great. I'll, I'll have to put that in. Those will all be in the show notes. And then one more thing is where do you go to get inspiration when you're thinking about, you said you like visual arts and arts as well as design. Where do you go to get inspiration for your own work and, and what you do? Inspiration comes from everywhere. I'm constantly on the lookout. In the notes that I sent you beforehand, there was there's this weird bit that I walked into a public toilet last week and there was a, a little thing on the wall by William Morris and it said, look on everything as if you're seeing it for the very first time or the last and and I, re- I walked out and like I've not looked at anything the same in the last two weeks everything that I'm looking at I'm thinking that's there but I've never really looked at it let's let's have a look at it and let's see it I mean I'm lucky that I live close to London so uh, the V&A is very close the design museum mm-hmm. is close um, mm-hmm. those things are fantastic for inspiration mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. and I do I mean you know in, in normal days I, if, if I've got meetings in London um, it seems like a long time ago now but with meetings in London I would leave myself a half day and I would wander into one of the museums and just give myself two or three hours where I could pick up inspiration and just wander around, which is which is a, a luxury in the job that we do. It's important to do that. It's important to, to suck things in and, and be inspired yourself because you're not doing inspired kids unless you're both.
realizing yourself. Totally agree. I think that's a fantastic answer. And let me ask you about the podcast that you've just started. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, it's called Design for Life, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts from. We started it up as a means of trying to connect education and business, which is, a, a, as I said earlier, a big drive for the association at the moment. So it's a mixture of designers on there, educators, people, business leaders, just talking about aspects of the subject and talking about what they do and where their inspiration came from and how they've got into the positions that they are in now. And there's a, there's so much chance with so many of the conversations that I'm having where, you know, very few people at the age of 13, which is, I think should be a comfort to most 13 year olds, because as a head teacher, I found an awful lot of kids got quite stressed that they didn't have their future mapped. But when you talk to business leaders, very few of them have mapped it. It's a, a series of coincidental circumstances have come together to get them where they are. Yeah, it's it's a joy to do. I love doing them. Um, they're casual conversations with people. And the best review we've had, which I absolutely love, is somebody said it's... It, it's like one of those conversations where you're in the pub and you overhear somebody talking behind you and you know you should zone out of it because it's not your conversation. But it's <laughs> it's just one of those ones that you stick with. And I just I just love that as a review because uh, that's exactly what we're looking for. It's that it's that casual chat that you can't quite clock out of uh, is what we're trying to do. Well, having listened to several of them, I feel that's ex that's a perfect encapsulation of what that experience is like. Thank so you. you guys are doing great. Please keep it up. I've I've enjoyed it tremendously myself and would recommend it to anybody listening or to anyone I speak to. I do tell them about it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do my, my part on this side, Tony. Yeah, so sure. Tony, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Twitter's a good way. The uh, Twitter handle is at DesTechRyan, D-E-S-T-E-C-H-R-Y-A-N. Probably one of the easiest ways. Or go onto the data website, which is uh, data.org.uk. Um, and there's an info out there. And if, if you need to get in contact, that's a good way to do it. Tony, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of I know what must be a very busy day for you to speak to me. And I know that everyone listening is going to appreciate having heard your words of wisdom. So thank you so much for agreeing to be here and, and chatting with me today. Jason, thank you so much for the invitation and, and keep up the good work. I love what you're doing. I listen to yours regularly. And yeah, it's, it's a joy to be here. So thanks a lot. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon.